before I start the episode, I want you all to um, know that I was wearing a headset when I was recording this episode, so it makes me sound further away. Um, I didn't have my lapel mic with me, so um, you may have to raise the volume a little bit to hear it, okay? Now we'll get back to the story. Hello, and welcome to the seance room where we communicate with our dearly departed and the occasional annoying, frustrating, but friendly office ghost. The seance room is a place where we all come to discuss everything and anything under the paranormal umbrella. So stay with us, join hands, and enjoy the episode. Thank you for joining us in the seance room. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. And I would like to thank all our new listeners, all our current listeners, and all our future listeners for joining us. With that being said, please like, share, and subscribe our podcast. We are on all platforms from Apple to Spotify to CastBox soon to be iHeartRadio, so you can probably find us on all uh, podcast platforms. If you have any stories you'd like to share, please go ahead and email us at whattheparanormal1977 at gmail.com. We'll take a look at your story and we'll read it. If you would like to follow us on social media, we are on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. You can also leave us a message via the Anchor app. The link will be listed below. And with that being said, we close the seance room. And we hope you all have a good day and keep it ghosting. Hey folks and welcome back. So today's episode and my colorful commentary is going to be about the UFO sighting in Aztec, New Mexico. Why, Denise, do you pick that episode? Well, this episode, they kind of compare it to Roswell, or they call it the other Roswell. So I figured, you know, might as well talk about it and see what's going on. So, The Aztec incident, like I said, is also known as the Roswell, um, other Roswell, happened in 1948. Now, in 49, a story was published by Frank Scully um, in a variety of magazines, and then later in 1950 in his book called Behind the Flying Saucer. Yeah, that's um, an interesting title for a book. Let's continue. Now, according to Scully, in March of 48, an unidentified aerial craft containing 16 humanoid bodies was recovered by the military in New Mexico after it made a control landing in Hart Canyon, 12 miles from Aztec. Now, first and foremost, you all know how this goes. 
I give you fact and then I give you my opinion and then at the end I just give you my opinion straight up. First and foremost, how did Scully know 16 humanoids? Unless he was up in the Kool-Aid of the UFO. Um, but he said 16 humanoids. Now unless that spacecraft was, you know, clear and you can see the humanoids, then I understand, but or if it was full of windows and he counted sixteen humanoids, then you know. Um, it was said now I have a little bit of a hard time understanding and my mentality grasping this, but Scully said that the craft was ninety nine feet in diameter. Now, according to ufologists and everything, that makes it the biggest UFO to date. So, yeah, how do you come to that calculation? Do you actually measure the circumference of the UFO? I don't, I don't know, man. Now, Scully identified two men, Celias Newton and Leo... I'm going to butcher his name, but y'all know I don't care. Um, Bauer? What am I say? We'll just call him Leo for short. Who told him about the incident and that it was covered up by the military and that they took the craft for research. Now, Scully wrote about the craft and flying saucers um, that the government captured from Venus. Now, how the hell do they know it came from Venus? I don't know. Uh, like, mm. And magnetic principles. See, this is where I'm having a difficult time believing this story um, because how do we know where the UFO came from? How do we know it came from Venus? How did it? How do, we, how do we know that didn't come from uh, out in a different galaxy? So, these guys sound fishy. Now, Scully stated that they, um, that the UFO was stacked, I'm sorry, stocked with food wafers and heavy water for drinking purposes. And every dimension of the craft was divisible by nine. How the fuck do you calculate that every Every dimension of the craft was divisible by nine. I really want to know that. And how do you know that it was food wafers and it had a heavy water on board? I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. Oh, okay, so in the during the 40s and the 50s, um, this is where the, they say it's a hoax and it's bullshit. I don't know. Again, I'm just a curious person. Now, um, they say that during the 40s and the 50s, Celias and Leo traveled um, through Aztec attempting to sell devices known in the oil business as doodlebugs. I thought 
doodlebug is I thought I just made up the word doodlebug because I've been saying doodlebug for the longest time so I guess it's I don't know if it's an actual word but doodlebug they claimed that the devices could find oil gas and gold and that they could do so because they were based on alien technology recovered from the crash site. Now, shit, dude, if alien technology could find me some oil, gas, or gold, I wouldn't be working. These these guys are another piece of work, in my opinion. But, I mean, why would they want to sell the alien technology? I mean, why not use it? And make yourself rich. Create a, a machine or something. I don't know. Now, Jakey Can, who um, worked for the San Francisco Chronicle, asked the con men, I'm using air quotes because that's what they are, for a piece of the metal. Um, and these two idiots went ahead and provided it. Now, JP had that metal tested to see if it was really alien technology and it turned out to be just an ordinary piece of aluminum now eventually they were going to come up and you know meet up with somebody who was one way smarter than them two who was going to tear their story apart and um pick at it and try to get to see if it's real or not but again these two idiots couldn't think. Now, in 49, Scully published a series of columns in a variety of magazines retelling the crash story that was told to him by Salias and Leo. He later, okay, Scully later um, expanded the columns to create Behind the Flying Saucer, which turned out to be a best-selling book. So your best-selling book, full of lies, and is a hoax, turned out to be a best-selling book, fiction. Okay. All right. Four years later, now four years after 1949, um, the hoax was exposed in True Magazine. Now, there was an article published that many victims of Salias and Leo stepped forward and one of the victims was a millionaire. Now see, if you were a millionaire and you believe this hoax, yeah, you an idiot, straight up. Um, Herman Flater um, actually pressed charges against Salias and Leo. And the two were convicted of fraud in 1953. Well, it's about time. Well, I mean, fraud for selling fake shit and lying, but I mean, I would love to see them in, in jail for other stuff, but hey, I'm just, you know, telling the story. Now, through the mid 50s to the early 70s, most UFOologists, if I say that correct, 
considered this particular incident, this particular subject, subject about seven minutes ago, um, discredited, and they avoided it like the plague. Like, it, if it was a black death. They didn't want to talk about it. They didn't want anything to do with it. For the fact is that it was considered a hoax, and it turned out to be a hoax. However, in 1970, Leonard Stringfield stated that not only was it a real incident, but the craft, in, the craft involved was one of many captured and stored by the U.S. military. He, in later years, alleged that first-hand accounts of the Roswell crash contained the Aztec crash. Now, those supposed, and I'm using air quotes around supposed, humanoid bodies were said to measure between 36 inches and 42 in height and weighed about 40 pounds. That's some skinny-ass creatures. Now, ufologists claim that the um, craft was down and the military had cleared the area of all the evidence, which include the bodies, and um, taking them to Hangar 18 at Wright-Patterson Air Base. Now, this guy says it's actually true, and it's part of it was contained in the Roswell incident. Um, I'm not going to touch Roswell. That's a different story for a different day. But... I want to know what proof, because he never, in, in the research I did, never mentioned any proof backing up anything. You know, all he said was that the government came in, cleaned up the area, you know, did a very good spiffy job, and then took everything to Hangar 18. But there was nothing else, no proof, because the U.S. government took it and hid it. Now... Back in 2011, UFO enthusiasts discovered what, discovered what was called the Hotel Memo. Now, there's not much about the Hotel Memo, but um, they discovered it on the FBI's Vault website. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Um, I didn't have time to go look. And it's the FBI's website, and yeah, I'm not talking about the FBI. It said that the memo isn't classified and has been making its rounds for years. Now, the memo contained the report of a man, um, Guy Hotel, who was an FBI agent in charge of the Washington office, and it was addressed to J. Edgar Hoover, and it was indexed in the FBI records. Now, everything that is indexed basically in the FBI records is public. Um, it just talked about, again, there was really nothing much about it. Um, you know, that it was some, you know, memo that existed but did not exist. So, I don't know. 
like the Phoenix Lights episode I did way back in the day. See, that one I believe because not just one person saw it, but different cities saw it across different states. This, I will call it a hoax because it's two guys trying to make a buck selling fake shit to idiots who believe they're actually getting UFO um, technology. And like I said, I just, I don't know, these people are, are very special and yeah. Um, like I said, this is going to be a, a very short episode and um, I call this one uh, Miss Hyde denied staff on it because yeah no but I like how these guys tried to pass it off as um, something real and they experienced it firsthand and again there's no evidence to back it up there is no photos there's no anything just words you know point of view from two con artists trying to make a quick buck and a dude who's believing everything these con artists is telling them and writes a best-selling novel based on fake shit that's my opinion so this gets the denial denied vetoed not approved stamp so with that being said I leave you all now if you're new to the podcast community and you want to start a new podcast and you're looking for a platform that is user-friendly that has everything you need at your fingertips that won't set any limits that you can earn money then I would recommend anchor now anchor can be used basically anywhere you could be in your car you can be laying on the sofa in bed where you can edit um, record and upload um, you can throw in um, soundtracks. You can, I mean, everything is there for you. Now, I use it because, like, it's user friendly and um, it is free. And I find it really easy to navigate without it being very confusing. Now, most platforms you know before you can even try it out you need to sign up and pick a plan I like anchor because I don't have to go through any of that so I recommend it now if you really want to get into it I recommend you going to your website anchor.fm and you know signing up or you can download anchor.fm from the Google Store, iTunes, um, and give it a try. So don't forget to go to anchor.fm, sign up, 
and I'll see you all in podcast community.